Ready to dig? Let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Uh, Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this awesome day, Lord. Thank you for just the beauty of snow, even though sometimes we don't like it. We know that it's still beautiful, and just like snow covers the ground, we thank you, God, that you have covered our sins through our faith in you, and we're so thankful for that, dear God. And Lord, I pray now that as we get ready to dig into your word today in the book of 1 Thessalonians, I pray that you speak to our hearts, dear God. Lord, I pray that we would just desire to grow deeper and stronger in our walks with you, that we would want to thrive, thrive in our faith in you. Lord, that's our heart's cry. And so, Lord, we just pray that that would take place today. Work in the hearts of my, my friends here today through the power of your Holy Spirit, for it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, last week we started this new series, right? Here we go. Boom. Thriving. Thriving. And I love the title. We were talking and praying as pastors about kind of what series we wanted to kind of rock with as we were moving into 2024. And we thought, let's look at 1 Thessalonians. And how about using the word thrive, thriving? And the amazing thing is, uh, the thing that hits me all the time is that Casting Crown song called Thrive. Anybody heard that song before? It came out a number of years ago. Oh, yeah, we got some hands. Yeah, that song is so powerful. Let me tell you. It says, we were made for so much more than ordinary lives. It's time for us to more than just survive. We were meant to thrive. Yeah. I remember when that song first came out a number of years ago. Boom, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Don't you like that? When, when a song, the Holy Spirit uses it just to, just to knock you down almost in a sense, like, wow, that was a powerful, powerful song. Now, the coolest, the cool thing is, so early this morning, at six something this morning, I'm getting into the car, and I'm praying that my car is going to even start. So I got my sports car, my Toyota Corolla, and I'm ready. I'm like, please, Jesus. It's like, and I'm like, oh, come on now. And it starts, praise Jesus, it starts. And you will not believe this. I turn to the radio, and the song that is on, no joke, is Thrive. And I'm like cranking it. And I was going to put the window down, but I couldn't even get the window down. So. And I probably would have had frozen hair. No, I don't have any hair. It was a frozen head. But it's one of those things where it was awesome. I'm almost in tears because I know I'm getting ready to preach on Thriving, and the song is coming on the radio right now. Is that not God or what? He does things like this because he cares about even the most intricate details of our lives, right? Now, what's interesting is the word thrive, okay? We hear this word, we think, is it like a vitamin? What is it? Okay, thrive is, the dictionary says, to prosper, to be fortunate or successful, to grow or develop vigorously, to flourish, okay? That's kind of the dictionary.com deal. Here's the thing. A lot of times we think of thriving, fortunate, successful, immediately what comes to our minds is always in terms of material stuff, right? In terms of success. It's a what kind of material possessions or, you know, how good is our team doing? How good did the Browns do? Oh, boy. I'm still in mourning, okay? I'm still in mourning. <laughs> you know, we, but we always think of success in terms of wins and losses, don't we? We always think in terms of success in terms of how much in the bank account or what's your job status, all of that. That's a lot of times what we think of when it comes to thrive. But that's not what God thinks of. That's not what he thinks of at all. 
in our lives, there are certain things that will help us thrive, and there are things that will keep us from thriving. As the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, he gives us some incredible wisdom on how to live a life that thrives. And these were not just words to the Thessalonians. He had lived with them as an example to follow. That's the beautiful thing, is that Paul was living amongst the people that he was ministering to. Okay? He was just preaching at them. No, he was right there with them, struggling at times with them. So what we're going to realize here is he was an example to follow. We know Jesus, ultimate example. We know Paul, another good example to follow. So what I want you to do is turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, If you don't have your physical Bibles, turn in your smartphones, whatever you want to do. But the passage that Meg so eloquently read, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Okay, We're going to be kind of dissecting that today. And the main part of this is really out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, For we speak as messengers, approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. To please God, not people. And that's our bottom line, guys. That's our bottom line. We've been doing a bottom line for a lot of our messages. That's our bottom line. Is our purpose in life is not to please everybody else. Our purpose is to please God first and foremost above anybody else, right? What does God think about what you're doing? What does God think about what you're saying? What does God think about what you're thinking right now? What does he think? That's what matters. We get so focused on other people's opinions. It doesn't mean anything. What matters is what God thinks, okay? And that's what we're going to be hitting on really hard today. And I think this is one of the secrets really to thriving in life. Paul knew his purpose in life. And his purpose was always to please God. Paul understood that his purpose was bigger than his occupation as a tent maker. Okay? It was bigger than his occupation also as a preacher. Because he was a tent maker and a preacher. Preaching was what he did, what he was called to do. But his purpose was even bigger than that. He knew his ultimate purpose was to please God. And that affected everything else in his life. If we don't have a clear purpose, our lives tend to be lived aimlessly. And so we'll never really thrive. We're just kind of wandering. We're just kind of aimlessly wandering through life. We don't know why we're doing even what we're doing. We just get up, an alarm clock goes off, we do what we do, and next thing you know, the day's over. We don't even know why we're doing it. Here's the thing we have to realize. When we don't have clear purpose, that aimlessness is going to continue on. But it's also possibly living, too, for the wrong purpose. And so something is still left unfulfilled in our souls. If we've got the wrong purpose, if our purpose is all about just making some money, just living that American dream, if that is our purpose, that's going to still leave us unfulfilled in our souls. We've got to recognize that. Paul knew his purpose. His purpose ultimately please God. Please God. Do you know that was not just Paul's purpose, though? That's our purpose, guys. That is our purpose. In fact, it's the purpose of every human being to know God and to make him know, to know him and be loved by him and live a life that honors God. I read a quote by Pastor Chuck Swindoll years ago. Chuck Swindoll, one of my heroes of the faith. I've been listening to him since I came to Christ at almost 17. And I tell you what, he is such a, just a hero of mine in many ways. And he, he wrote something and said something that said, really, our, 
Our chief end should be, our goal in life should be to bring maximum glory to God. In whatever you do to bring maximum glory to God, that's what we have to look at. So it's not glory to myself, it's glory to God. In fact, I heard it yesterday, even though C.J. Stroud beat us, you know, beat the Browns yesterday. You know, I saw the interview with him right afterwards, though. You know what he said? I'll praise the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. He does that all the time since he was at Ohio State University. He knows it's not about glory for C.J., C.J., C.J. He's, no, 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 no. It's Jesus, Jesus. Who cares if people shout your name? It's about if they shout Jesus' name. That's what counts the most. And even though it stunk that he beat us yesterday, I tell you what, the great thing is he loves Jesus, and he's lived that out, at least the last few years that I've watched him and heard him and stuff. So we got to recognize, whether we're a teacher, whether we're a football player, a construction worker, a stay-at-home parent, a business person, a nurse, whatever you do, your purpose is to please God first and foremost. That's why Paul wrote to the Colossians, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Whatever you do, working for the Lord, even if it is a job that just stinks right now, that you can't even stand, you know? I remember when I got my first job, I was 15 years old, and I was a stock boy at IGA. Knows what you want, okay? And I'm there bagging the groceries. I'm stocking the shelves. I'm doing the deal. And, and then I come to Christ, and I realize, okay, I need to honor God with what I'm doing. And so even when my boss would say, okay, I need you to clean out the ashtrays, and that's when, like, everybody was smoking back in the day. And so it was one of those things where I had to clean out all kinds of stuff that was in there. And I'm thinking, okay, praise Jesus, uh, you know, this is gross, you know. But it's one of those deals where I have to realize, whoa, I'm doing this unto the Lord, okay? No matter what we're doing in life, we have a choice to make. Are we going to do it for ourselves? Are we going to complain and whine about it? Or are we going to do it for God's glory, okay? The motivation to pleasing God is to not to earn his favor or approval either, okay? not just to earn something from God. It's not that he'll love you more if you clean out the ashtrays, brother. It's not about that. Check this out. It says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4a, we speak as a message approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people, right? Yeah. When you look at that, Paul knew that he had already been approved by God. And it was that very approval that drove him to live his purpose to please God. Isn't it great the amount of freedom that you have in life when you know that you are approved by somebody? When you know that that person just loves you unconditionally, that you don't have to perform for them, that you could just be who God created you to be? It's kind of like, like your house and you've got somebody coming over to your house that you know just loves you, just for you. And you don't have to have it spick and span and shining and throwing things underneath the couch and making it all perfect because you know that person just loves you. They're not going to judge you. They love you. doesn't matter if you got junk all over the floor. They just love you. There's freedom in that, right? There's freedom in knowing you're approved by that person. There's freedom in knowing we're approved by God. You're approved by him. He loves you the way that he created you, Okay. What a gift to live in a position of God's love and approval, no longer trying to earn it. And yet Paul was driven by God's purpose for him, and he knew that ultimately God was the only one that he would answer to. 
He's going to answer to God, not to other people. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. He examines the motives of our hearts. He knows exactly why you do what you do. He knows, he knows those motives. If those motives are pure, praise God, that's awesome. If those motives are not so pure and you're using it to try to use some other person or trying to worm your way in here or there, he knows that too. And we have to give an account for that. He knows your heart. We have to recognize Paul understood that at the end of the day, we are to answer to God and God alone. He understood that though we can sometimes fool people, sometimes we can be good at fooling people. We put the mask on, put the smile, you know. That this, we put the smile on, them, put the mask, and we can fool somebody, but you know what? You can never fool God. You can never fool God, because God sees it all. He knows it all. He knows exactly what's going on inside. And he loves you. And he forgives you as you confess any sin before you. And he wants to constantly grow you and grow me each and every day. Here's the deal. When we live openly and honestly before God, living out his purpose for our lives, that's when we're going to thrive, guys. That's when we're going to thrive. And that brings an incredible amount of freedom. Freedom. When we know that God knows our hearts, then we are freed from the opinions and the constant approval of others. I can't even imagine being a politician. That would, oh, praise God for anybody who wants to do that. Your entire life is based on what people think, and half the people hate you. Half the people sort of kind of maybe don't like you. I don't know. It's one of those, I can't imagine, because your whole life is centered upon what others always think. we got to be careful that we don't fall prey to that same type of thing, where we're constantly focused and zeroed in on what everybody else is saying about us. Everybody else is talking about us. No. It's what does God say. That's what matters. Okay, That's what matters. In fact, in one other of Paul's letters, actually, to the Galatians, he wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. So in the Galatians, he says this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. It's pretty intense, right? That he would not even be Christ's servant if he's trying to please people. He knows that if he's going to truly be a servant of God the way God has called him to be, then he better be worried first and foremost about pleasing the Lord, right? If we make it our goal to win the approval of others, it's going to short-circuit us, short-circuit us from living out our ultimate purpose to please God and to be that servant of Jesus. And that's what we're all called to be. Servant, doulos in Greek, to be a slave to Jesus Christ, to serve in whatever capacity that he desires. It's a key part. Living to please God brings us confidence before God. And it also brings us confidence before others. And Paul experienced that. that why, that's why he could say in verses 5 and 6, check this out. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to just be your friends, just to get your money. No. It wasn't about pretense. It wasn't about flattering somebody just with types of words. No. When we live to please people, we will end up making compromises. We will say things just to flatter other people because we're trying to please them. 
We become sometimes pretenders. Or nowadays, sometimes people call it posers. We become hypocrites. But because Paul knew his purpose was to please God and not people, he didn't have to pretend with people. He didn't feel like he had to just say things or do things to get them to like him. His purpose was not to please people, but to please God. So many times we can fall into that trap. It starts a lot of times in those middle school years. It can start, right? Those middle school years where we feel like just to fit in, we got to dress a certain way. We got to talk a certain way. We got to act this type of way to fit in the in crowd. Then in high school, it can sometimes get even worse. Oh, I have the right type of clothes. I need this pair of shoes. I need this. And we could fall so much into all of that. And then that continues on into the adult life as well. We just know how to cover it up a lot better. <laughs> we know how to pretend a lot better. We know how to mask a lot better as adults. But we still fall prey to that trap if we're not careful of trying to somehow pretend and to please other people instead of what does God say? What does God want for my life? Not what others want. Here's what we have to look at as we check out 2.6. As for human praise, we've never sought it from you or anyone else. We've never sought it from you or anyone else. The soul-searching question to ask is, what is it that really motivates us? What is it that drives us? What is it that I'm really seeking after? Am I living to please people or am I living to please God? When we wake up in the morning and that alarm clock goes off and we get up out of bed, what is that driving force behind that? That's what we gotta ask ourselves. Is it just to put food on the table? That's important, don't get me wrong. Is it just to be able to somehow have this American dream with, you know, the, the, the house and the wife and the kids and, the, you know, all, and that's all good. Don't get me wrong. It's all good. But there should be something much deeper that drives us from the inside out, right? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And it's a soul-searching question. I know for my own self, there are many a times where I blew it when it came to that, of trying to Please people, I think about just even growing up and when I, play, I was in sports and I was in music and I was in drama and just different academics feeling like, okay, I've got to meet this expectation. I've got to meet this performance, otherwise I will not be liked. I won't be liked by my coaches. I won't be liked by my teachers. I even got to a point of thinking, I will not even be liked or loved by my own parents if I don't meet this expectation. That's a lie, though. We have to realize the enemy loves to get us fooled like that, of thinking that we have to perform to earn anybody's approval. Think about that. We can't live for the applause of others because the applause is eventually going to run out at some point in time. It's all about the applause of one. It's an audience of one that we're living for. That's what we have to recognize. That's what we have to understand in many ways. A bottom line. Our purpose is to please God, not people. It does not automatically mean, though, that the two are incompatible so that we should only care about God and not care about people. Hear me closely on this, okay? This is an important distinction to recognize, that Paul is not saying that he didn't care about people. Paul cared about people more than anyone, okay? He really cared, but he knew his priority was to first please God. So... We can't sometimes become all prideful 
or holier than thou, and sometimes Christians can fall into this thing. Well, I only care about pleasing God, so I'm going to offend this person, and then I'm going to offend this person, and then I'm going to knock this person down, and then I'm going to, no, 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 okay? That's taking it the wrong, wrong way. It's not about, okay, I only care about pleasing God, so I'll offend everybody around me. No, because then you're not a light for Christ. Then you're a bad testimony for Christ, okay? So we have to look against to help us to see, yes, we need to live and to please God first and foremost, and yet we still can operate with tremendous love and tremendous grace while standing on truth. That's the important thing. So we look at this then, and we see in 1 Thessalonians 2.7, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, of you, but instead we were like children among you, right? We were like children among you. Paul says because of his position as an apostle, he could have made demands of the people, but he says instead, they were like children, humble and simple, where they lived among the Thessalonians. Humility and simplicity, that's the beautiful thing about kids a lot of times. That's why I've always loved kids' ministry and youth ministry, is because there's such a humility and simplicity, and that's how Paul and his companions were desiring to live among the Thessalonians was in that way. They didn't use their position to use people. They used their authority and position to care for people. That's the key. So if you're, God's blessed you in somehow in a position of some type of authority, whether it's a teacher, a coach, a business person, whoever that might be, okay, if you are blessed in that way, use that position to love others, to care for others, okay? Use it to care for others, not to use or abuse anyone else. That's not what it's about. It's about to care. He says that they cared for people like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. Picture of tender, loving care. I don't know about you, but there's nothing like watching mothers. we got some, some great moms like with children right now. I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. They're amening up here. I love it. You know, it's one of those things where you watch a mom's love for a child, and it's so deep, right? They'll do anything, anything at all for that child. That love, that care, that concern is so deep and profound, right? They're going to protect, and they're going to care, and they're going to have so much compassion and love. That's what we have to realize. That's the type of love that Paul had and his companions had. That deep love and concern to share both the gospel and their very lives. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our lives too. Paul basically, he dared to share because he dared to care. That's what we have to realize. He dared to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he dared to care for the people. When you really care about somebody, when you really love that person, because you love them so much, that's why you want to share the good news of Christ. If you hold that back from the person, you're holding the greatest news of all time that they need to hear about. So we have to be willing to show and tell the gospel wherever we go. Dare to share because you dare to care, okay? When we live to please God, it should lead us to caring for people, to care enough to share the good news, to be willing to share Jesus 
and all that he's done for them and how they can have a relationship with him, then nobody is too far away from that relationship with Christ. And that's what Paul did in Thessalonica. People gave their lives to Jesus because Paul was unafraid to share. And the key thing was he didn't just preach at them. He didn't just preach at them. He lived with them. One of the great things that I love is that, you know, I, I enjoy preaching. I enjoy teaching. But you know what I love more? I love being in the community. We live in Milan. So I know the Edison community, but I love the Norwalk community. And because I'm in both, I'm in Norwalk, I'm in Edison, we're, in, we're all in this together. And what's cool is I, like, I see a lot of you guys in different places all over. So it's living amongst one another. It's not just the preaching aspect. That's an important part. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 said that, that we share with you not only good news, but our lives. That's an important thing. Paul shared his life. He opened his life to them. Living to please God frees us to truly open our lives and all of our lives to others, to share the good parts and even the hard parts. Someone once said this, people may be attracted to your strengths, but they resonate with your weaknesses. Isn't that true? They may be attracted when they see some type of strength you have. And they may be like, whoa, that's pretty amazing. But... When they see or hear about one of your weaknesses, whoo, sometimes that can resonate more because they can realize, well, I got that same issue. <laughs> I got that same struggle. I got that same problem. And if we're deep, honest, that's what I want with the men's ministry, just to be authentic and real and gut level and say, you know what? I got this issue, and my brother's got this issue, and my other brother, Daryl's got this issue, and my other brother's got this issue, and my other brother's got this issue. And we keep saying it over and over and over again because we all got these issues. But you know what? But we link arms, and you challenge each other to go stronger and deeper. That's what it's about, right? That's what it is about. Paul was willing to share all of his life, and he wanted others to feel the freedom to do the same. It makes me think of this, 2 Corinthians. That's what it says. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. If you want to live a life that pleases God, we got to open up our hearts to him. Open up our hearts to others. And don't be afraid to speak honestly. Don't be afraid to speak the truth. Okay? To do that with love and grace always. That's what Paul did with the Thessalonians. Check this out. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11, 12. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Three key words there, right? First one, pleaded, perikaleo, to come alongside closely to call and defend. Do you guys realize that's the same word that's used for Holy Spirit? Same word. It means advocate, the supporter, the one that comes alongside of you. That's the Holy Spirit that's within you. Because you can't do it on your own. Forget about it. But with the Holy Spirit, you could do it, okay? And the other part was encouraged, that we encourage to come alongside closely, to comfort and console. Man, we need a lot more encouragement in this world, world today, don't we? 
We got to comfort those that are hurting. We got to console those that are in pain. We got a grief share class coming up this afternoon. That's a way to just to help to comfort and to console those that have been through so much pain. That's an encouragement. The other thing, too, to recognize as well. Help me out, brothers. Oh, there we go. I thought maybe we had a power outage, some wind or something. So urge, then, to summon as a witness, to solemnly charge, right? That's that urging aspect. A lot of times, we got to be willing to do that. we got to be willing to spur someone on, to be willing to do that, to charge that person. Pleasing God sometimes means calling someone out, urging, come back to Jesus, come back to church, come back to a relationship with God in a real powerful way. Be willing to take that stand, okay? But if we're a people pleaser, well, what if they don't like me then? What if they don't respond well? We start thinking the what ifs. Forget the what if game. Forget about the what ifs. If you know God's calling you to really encourage somebody and to urge somebody to do that, go for it. Do it in a loving way, but do it. I'm learning this myself. As kind of a recovering people pleaser, <laughs> I'm learning that the only way to eliminate people pleasing in my own life is to take the risk of not pleasing people at times. It means having the courage to speak the truth even when you know it might hurt somebody. That's hard. Or it might not be received well. Or maybe somehow it might cause friction or it might cause some type of turbulence. But in the end, you know that you did what God was asking you to do. And you still did what God was asking you to do. This is how we do what Paul did for the Thessalonians. And there was an incredible reason to do so. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, urged you to live lives where he calls you to share in his kingdom, his kingdom and his glory. Paul knew his purpose was to please God. And he knew that pleasing God, pleasing God meant loving and challenging others to also discover their purpose to please God. And that a result would be to share in the kingdom and the glory I could really unpack that for a long time. We're not going to go there. When we live our lives to please God, we will share in God's kingdom. We will get to experience God's kingdom in all of its fullness in the future because of our faith in Christ. But we will also be a part of bringing his kingdom to the earth now as we speak, as we seek to please him in our everyday lives. It's what Jesus prayed for, right? In Matthew 6, may your kingdom come May your will be done. Wow, what a purpose worth living for, that God's will would be done. Not my will, but God's will to be done in our lives. Our bottom line, our purpose is to please God, not people. Here's three things as we close. Just three things. You could have 10 more, but here's just three basics. First one, that we could please God this week, right off the bat. Having faith pleases God. Okay. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So we, we can't be able to please God without faith. So we have to have that faith in Jesus Christ, right? And then grow in that faith. That's going to please him, okay? That's going to please him every single day. And the other part is spending time with God pleases God. These are basic things that are so crucial. One of the things that I said in Sandusky a couple weeks ago was, we have, to, we have a to-do list that's a mile long, don't we? All of us do. We got a giant to-do list, 
But I want to encourage you guys, have a giant to-be list. That's something God's spoken to my heart about, is I want to have a, more of a to-be list for Christ. And the one, number one thing is spending more time with him in his word, in prayer. That's one of the things that as we start 2024, that maybe all of us could do better with through the power of God. And then another thing is being generous pleases God. Not just with finances, that's great, that's awesome, but also being generous with how we love and how we care for others and how we're kind to other people. And pray for divine appointments. God might bring people into your life that you never expected that you could somehow be generous with. You know, I was just thinking as, as we close here, I was just thinking about, you know, how cold it is today and everything. And You know, there's people in Norwalk that are homeless, guys. There's, there's people in Norwalk that I've met through the years that are homeless, and it grieves my heart. And we've tried to do all kinds of different things. We've given blankets, and we've given clothes. And Man, oh, man, if you, if you come across somebody that's homeless, try to, try to minister to them. Be generous to them whether it be clothing or whatever it might be, trying to get them some shelter, something like that. Because, tell you what, there's people all around us that are in need, that are hurting. And so this is a great opportunity to be able to please God by showing that type of love to someone that we know that's in deep need like that, okay? So let's close in prayer. Lord God, we just love you so much. I'm so thankful for my friends here today. Thankful for this time together. And dear God, I do pray that you would help us this week to really please you, not to be zeroed in on pleasing others, but rather to please you in things that we do, things that we say, things that we think even would just bring honor and glory to you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Everybody said amen, amen. God bless each and every one of you guys. Have a week that thrives, okay? Thrive this week. And be careful driving home.